morning. If you have your Bibles, I'd ask you to open up to Daniel chapter 4. Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied to you. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are his signs, and how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and his dominion is from generation to generation. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me, that they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. Then the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers came in, and I told them the dream, but they did not make known to me its interpretation. But at last Daniel came before me. His name is Belshazzar, according to the name of my God. In him is the spirit of the holy God. And I told the dream before him, saying, Belshazzar, chief of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you, explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. These were the visions of my head while on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great. The tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of all the earth. Its leaves were lovely, its fruit abundant, and it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. He cried aloud and said thus, Chop down the tree and cut off its branches. Strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the beasts get out from under it and the birds from its branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given the heart of a beast, and let seven times pass over him. This decision is by the decree of the watchers, and the sentence by the word of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the most holy high, that the most high rules in the kingdom of men gives to whomever he will, and sets over it the lowest of men. This dream I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. But you are able, for the spirit of the holy God is in you. Then Daniel, whose name was Belshazzar, was astonished for a time, and his thoughts troubled him. So the king spoke and said, Belshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. Belshazzar answered and said, My lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached to the heavens, and which could be seen by all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and its fruit abundant, and which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heaven had their home. It is you, O king, who have grown and become strong, for your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens and your dominion to the end of the earth." 
And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, Chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field, let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. And inasmuch as they command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom shall be assured to you after you come to know that the heaven that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of twelve months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. You... And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me. And I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion, and his kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. No one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? At the same time, my reason returned to me, and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways justice, and those who walk in pride he is able to put down. Lord, I just, uh, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you for the truth of your word. I just thank you that you've revealed it to us, Lord, and that you've uh, blessed us with it. Lord, I pray this morning that as we uh, open your word, that you would just uh, meet us here in this place, that you would open up our hearts, Lord, and that you would open up our eyes and our mind and our ears. Lord, I just pray that nobody would be able to leave this place this morning without hearts being changed. Lord, I just, uh, that's our cry. Our cry is to see your word change us and that you would work mightily in us and that we would realize that nobody is too far from you being able to save them uh, as Nebuchadnezzar. Lord, I just give this time to you. Lord, I just ask that you would keep your hand of protection over Jackie and just let your words flow through him. And Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in this place this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. Where's Cat at? 
she hiding in the back somewhere? Look, if I don't make this announcement, she's going to come up here and do it for me. So Jason and Danielle had their baby. A baby boy. Everybody's doing good. Um, Levi's giving me a note. Kathy gave me a note. I got a couple other notes up on the stage. If I don't hurry up and do it, she's going to get me. <clears throat> so for those who didn't know, uh, mama and baby are doing well resting at home. So, so we're thankful for that. Amen? So you guys know that our nation is, we're just in a mess, okay? And I'm going to tell you this morning why we're in our mess and why the solution for our mess is not currently running for president. But, um, but we do have a solution for, for our mess. It's very similar to what we see going on uh, on the pages of Scripture today, what's happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. You might say, I'm not sure, I don't understand what you're talking about. Well... Before we kick off, why don't you flip open in your Bibles. We'll go to Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8. I think that's where I want to go. Yeah, Deuteronomy chapter 8. We'll pick it up about verse 10. And this was God speaking to the people. Now, they haven't entered into the promised land. They don't have all the promises that God had for them. But God gives them a warning in Deuteronomy. And He tells them about some things that could be on their horizon if they're not careful. Let's take a look at it. Deuteronomy 8, beginning at verse 10. So he says, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which He has given you. And beware that you do not forget the Lord your God by not keeping His commandments or His judgments or His statutes which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built beautiful houses and dwell in them, When your herds and your flocks multiply, and your silver and gold are multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied. When your heart is lifted up, that you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, in which were fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty land, where there was no water. Who brought water for you out of the flinty rock. Who fed you in the wilderness with manna which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you, to do you good in the end. Then you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand has gained me this wealth. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant with you, which he swore to your fathers, as it is this day. If there's a section of scripture that doesn't speak more to the heart of the issue for our nation than that, and the one we're looking at this morning, I don't know what it is. When we consider the fall of Sodom and Gomorrah, everybody remembers the story, right? The fall of Sodom and Gomorrah. Ezekiel tells us some of the heart that was behind what became the judgment for for Sodom and Gomorrah. Ezekiel says that you had fullness of food, idleness of time, and you didn't care about the poor. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1 that we are all under, apart from our relationship with Christ, we are all children of wrath, under the wrath of God, awaiting judgment. Why? Well, because we love our sin, we love the darkness, and we don't, want, we don't love the truth. We don't have a love for the truth. 
In fact, it says, as, we, as you look in Romans chapter 1, we probably won't go there right now, but from verse 16 through 32, he lays out what happens, this downward progression of the rebellion against God. He says, here's what happens. First, you have the truth. God's given you the truth so that you are unapologetus, without excuse. That's every man. Pygmies, doesn't matter who. God has given uh, a knowledge that He exists to every man on, on the earth. And He says that God did it. Not you did it. Not I did it. God did it. God put it in their heart. So that every man is unapologetus, without excuse. Well, what is He without excuse for? He suppresses the truth, Romans 1 says. He suppresses the truth in unrighteousness. What's that mean? He takes the truth of what he receives and it's like a beach ball. And he shoves that beach ball under the water and he does his best to keep it under water all the time. But every once in a while, it pops up. What pops up? The knowledge of God. That God exists. Something happens. Things occur in his life. And, and, and he should know, that wasn't me. I didn't do that. But he don't. He just keeps shoving that beach ball down. Shoving that beach ball down. Because he suppresses the truth, Romans 1 says, God gives them up to vile passions. I just happened to be reading the news this morning, and uh, I saw I, back in my younger days, I don't know how many years ago it was, they had this, the Matrix movies. Anybody else ever see those? I thought they were kind of cool. I don't know. Cool idea, you know. Anyway, the guy who made the movie is not a guy anymore. <clears throat> He was at the, I don't know all the different letters, the GLBT, I think there's something else too, but the, they had some kind of an award thing, and, and they had him. And he, he came up in front, I don't know what name he goes by now, I didn't catch it, but he goes up in front, and he speaks of his uh, journey in, into transgenderism, and the people are clapping, and they're, they're celebrating uh, his sin with him. And he said from, and I just want you to hear this. He said from the pulpit, everything inside of me, or I'm sorry, well, it is a pulpit, but from the lectern, whatever. He says, uh, everything inside of me wants to run. Let me tell you what that is. Truth. Truth wants to come up. It don't want to be pushed under the water. And everything inside of him is telling him what he's doing is not okay. But all the people and the applause tells him it's okay. You enjoy your sin. Sodom and Gomorrah. It started with fullness of food and idleness of time. But that's not where it stayed, right? They didn't care about anything else. Just cared about themselves. Got all wrapped up in self. What's the problem of Sodom and Gomorrah? What's the problem of the United States? What do all these things point to? Very simple. Pride. Pride. I, I, I don't want to hurt any of your feelings, but let's make America again makes me want to puke. Not because I don't want America to be great again, but we got it all wrong. I didn't, we didn't make it great in the first place. It wasn't us. It wasn't America, you know, no how to It wasn't us pulling ourselves up by the bootstraps. How was it? God made America, great. And if America don't turn its eyes to God, it don't matter what you do, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. What's our problem? Pride. Pride is our problem. What was Nebuchadnezzar's problem? 
Pride. Did you see what happened to Nebuchadnezzar? You think that can't happen to a nation? A nation needs to know who is in control. And our nation spends all its time telling you no. Suppress the truth. No, it ain't that. No, that's stupid. That's ludicrous that you think that's a sin. You're born that way. I, I acknowledge that all day long. You're born that way. I'm born a sinner too. I don't get a, I don't get to celebrate it. I'm to lay it down. The call to submit ourselves to God Almighty. Let's look at Daniel. See, see how this ties back in with what we're talking about in Daniel. It says in Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar the king. Now, Nebuchadnezzar writes chapter 4. So we got a pagan king writing chapter 4 of the book of Daniel. <clears throat> and he begins it the way he ends it. Look at it. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar the king, to all people, nations, languages that dwell in the earth, peace be multiplied to you. It's like a, a creed that went out to his whole kingdom. I thought it good to declare the signs and wonders that the Most High God has worked for me. How great are His signs, how mighty His wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and His dominion is from generation to generation. So, so let me just talk a couple of quick things. One, this is the message God's been trying to get to Nebuchadnezzar since chapter 2. You remember the dream of the statue? Four different metals, all the earthly kingdoms, they don't last. They keep change, 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 until what? The kingdom of God takes root. And what happens? The kingdom of God lasts forever. What's he saying here? God's kingdom lasts forever. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. He's finally come to know God most high. He's finally come to know who he is. But, but he wants us to understand the journey that got him there. The journey that got him to the place where he, the most important man in the earth, the most powerful man everywhere, would say, God's in control, not me. God's in control, not me. Daniel 4, verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house. I had everything I wanted. Nice big kingdom. And I was flourishing in my palace. Abundance of food idleness of time. Now I saw a dream and it made me afraid and the thoughts on my bed and the vision of my head troubled me. Therefore, I issued a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me. And we've heard this before, right? Yeah, we've heard this. He's done this before. That they might make known to me the interpretation of the dream. So the magicians, astrologers, Chaldeans, soothsayers came in and I told them the dream. Listen to how he says this. But they did not make known to me the interpretation. I don't think they wanted to. You want to tell them that? You want to say, oh, king, you're the tree. You want to be the guy who stands before King David? Remember the, Nathan the prophet telling David about his sin? David thought he had, he had slept with Bathsheba and nobody knew about it. Remember? Nathan the prophet goes and he says, oh, David, you know, there's this guy in your kingdom. Had a million sheep. And he had a neighbor only had one ewe lamb. And that one ewe lamb was so important to him, it ate at his dinner. It was like his pet. And that rich man with all the sheep he could ever want, he had some visitors come over and, and he didn't want to kill one of his million sheep. So he took this guy's one ewe lamb, his pet, the one that ate at his table with him, and he killed his lamb and fed it to the people. And David said, oh man, you need to kill that man. And he needs to pay four times what he stole. You remember Nathan's next words? David, you are the man. 
Not a lot of people signing up to be Nathan. Not a lot of people signing up to be prophet of God. Why? Because the prophet of God doesn't have a popular message. It's way easier to, to just buy into the popular message. And let's just go with the flow. And let's just everybody push that beach ball under the water. Let's just pretend everything's okay. Let's pretend that there's not a call to repentance. There's a need for our nation to turn. Let's just pretend it's all good. But ultimately, what we, what we realize is God is not looking for people who just want to go with the flow. He's looking for people who want to swim upstream. People who want to stand in the gap and say, stop, that's a way of destruction. What did Jesus say? Wide is the path that leads to destruction. How many find it? Many. Is it hard to find? No, but it's a piece of cake. That's the easy road. You just go with the flow. But then Jesus said, narrow is the road and small the gate that leads to salvation. Now, just because it's narrow doesn't mean you can't go through it, does it? Oh, you can go through it. But what's the difference? But it's not going with the flow. It's not just going along with everything else. It's recognizing that there's something that's authoritative in our life. And the authority in our life is not our government. And the authority in our life is not schools. And the authority in our life is not the preacher standing up on Sunday. The authority of our life is the Word of God. That's the authority. God Almighty, He is the authority. So I think these, these guys, they come before Nebuchadnezzar and they, look, I, I hear the dream and I think, yeah, uh, dude, I hope you're not the tree. That's bad. Right? It's not terribly difficult to figure out. How come they won't tell him? You know, the world is full of people who won't tell you the truth. Who won't tell you, you know what, what you're doing is sin. Who won't tell you, you know, what you're doing is going to separate you from God and it's not okay. We don't need just another person to say, look, everything's good. I don't want to ruffle no feathers. Not ruffling feathers got us where we are today. I say let's ruffle some feathers. Is it going to get worse? Well, if it does, it's going to get worse both ways. At least one way I get to tell the truth. I get to stop holding the beach ball under the water and pretending everything's good. Nothing needs to change. So God's calling us. We see the dream, they don't want to tell him. So in verse 8 it says, But at last Daniel came before him. Now one of the cool things we know about Daniel is what? He loved Nebuchadnezzar. How do I know? He told him the truth. Look, I can hate everybody and just let everybody go to hell. I, I mean, I'm pretty good with I'm okay. I, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I cling to him. But that kind of flies in the face of who Jesus is, doesn't it? That's not how... Jesus put himself right in the teeth of the lion, didn't he? To tell somebody the truth. To, to share somebody the gospel. That which can change a life, didn't he? And then what does he tell us? He didn't tell us to speak the truth and be rude and mean and cranky about it. What's he say? Speak the truth in love. Which means the reason I'm telling somebody the truth is not just to get one over on them. The reason I tell somebody the truth is to say, I love you, I care. I care. If my sons are doing things that are destructive to their family, I tell them what they're doing is destructive to their family because I hate them? No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says if you hate your children, you don't do nothing. But if you love them, then you deal with the things. You'll deal with the things that come up. Well, I think Daniel loves him. Look what it says. His name is Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. Remember, they changed his name. 
<clears throat> but in him is the spirit of the holy God. So they, everybody recognized something different about Daniel, right? Something different about him. Is it something about, you know, I think he actually believes what he says. Look, I don't know what happens in the church if that's how the church is. What if the church just decided today, you know, I'm going to repent of this nonsense I've been letting in my life, and I'm just going to be who God wants me to be. I'm going to be what God's asked me to be in His Word. I'm just going to do what He says. What would happen? We put all our hope in a, in a myriad pile of, of, uh, of guys that, that promise us they're going to change the direction of our country. But what our country needs is repentance, guys. And if one of those, unless one of those guys is preaching, I'm going to get the nation to repent, which I don't hear, then it's just, we're just, it's just another king. We're going to have one. But we need, we need, we need repentance. Listen to what Daniel says. So it says, uh, he was the chief of the uh, magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God is in you, and no secret troubles you. Explain to me the visions of my dream that I have seen and its interpretation. So Nebuchadnezzar says, tell me what my dream means. And Daniel, he knows, will tell him. There were visions in my head while I was on my bed. I was looking, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and its height was great, and the tree grew and became strong. Its height reached to the heavens, and it could be seen to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were lovely, the fruit was abundant, and in it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. The birds of the heavens <coughs> dwelt in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. I saw in the vision of my head while on my bed, there was a watcher, a holy one, who came down from heaven. He cried aloud and said, chop down the tree, cut off its branches, strip off its leaves, scatter its fruit. Let the beasts go out from under it and the birds out of the branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump and the roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze, in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven. And then look what happens. Pronouns change. Look at it. And let him graze with the beasts on the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from that of a man. Let him be given a heart of a beast. And let seven pass over him. People will argue till their dying day what that means. Seven, let seven pass over him. Well, most of the time when the Bible says let seven pass over him, it's talking about years. We can do whatever kind of gymnastics we want to do. Make it as short a time as you want. That really doesn't make any difference. Doesn't necessarily affect the story. But when the Bible, usually when the Bible uses the term, there are 77s determined for my people in Daniel chapter 9, same book as this. It's 77 year period of time. That's what, he, that's what he's talking about. So when we look, we have seven years. Man, this, something's going to happen and some dude is, is going to have a bad day. Somebody's going to have a bad day. Verse 17, the decision is by the decree of the watchers and the sentence. Listen to that phrase. And the sentence by the word of the holy ones. Sounds like judgment, doesn't it? The sentence in order that the living may know. So what's the purpose? Why is this happening? So that the living may know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men. And He gives it to whomever He will. He sets over it the lowest of men. So God has a purpose. There's something He's showing. Something He's showing Nebuchadnezzar, but something He's showing all the living. What is, what is it that God's trying to say? Hey, I, remember me? I'm in charge. 
And I won't just let things go. I won't just let it keep going down the path it's going. So the Lord says, This dream I, Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now you, Belteshazzar, declare its interpretation, since all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known to me the interpretation. Will you tell me what it means? Daniel, will you tell me? So then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for a time. That word, astonished, it literally means that he went pale. He heard the dream and he went pale. Not because he doesn't know what it means, because he knows exactly what it means. You remember Nebuchadnezzar, right? The guy who has a temper problem. Tell him something you don't like. He's just liable to chop you up in a bunch of pieces and, and make your house a junkyard. You remember? And so, so Daniel, it says Daniel was astonished. And his thoughts troubled him. So the, the, the king spoke and said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its interpretation trouble you. So Belteshazzar answered and said, My Lord, may the dream concern those who hate you, and its interpretation concern your enemies. The tree that you saw, which grew and became strong, whose height reached in the heavens, who could be seen in all the earth, whose leaves were lovely and fruit abundant, in which was food for all, under which the beasts of the field dwelt, and in whose branches the birds of the heavens had their home. It is you, O king. Who has grown and become strong. For your greatness has grown and reaches to the heavens. And your dominion to the end of the earth. King, you're the tree. It's you. Think about what the issue is. You're big. And you've got it all. And everybody comes to you for help. Everybody comes to you for food. Everybody comes to you to to find sustenance in your branches. That don't sound like nobody else you know. But you, O king, he says, you are this tree. And inasmuch as the king saw a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven and saying, chop down the tree and destroy it, but leave its stump and its roots in the earth, bound with a band of iron and bronze in the tender grass of the field. Let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let him graze with the beasts of the field till seven times pass over him. This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree from the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the king. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen. They shall wet you with the dew of heaven and seven times will pass over you till you know that the Most High rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever He chooses. And inasmuch as they gave you the command to leave the stump and the roots of the tree, your kingdom will still be yours. It will be assured to you after you come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O King, let my advice be acceptable to you. Listen to this. Break off your sin. Be righteous. And your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps there may be lengthening of your prosperity. He says, King, this is for you, and this is what's going to happen. In seven years, you're going to keep your kingdom. God's not taking your kingdom away from you, but He's going to prove to you that He's in control. But Daniel says, Look, maybe you don't have to go through that. Maybe you don't have to go through that. So, King, repent. Repent. 
Stop holding the beach ball down. Stop pretending that all the things God's Word says is true is not true. Stop holding on to whatever lie is floating around in there that you can grab a hold of that gives you an excuse not to listen to what God's Word says. Because that's all they are, is excuses. Most people don't take the time to even research whether or not the, the, the answers people give for the reasons to disobey the Bible are even true. They just say, yeah, that's what I need to hear so I can push that beach ball down. Because we got a good life, don't we? Just yesterday, I was walking around my kingdom, which is much smaller than Nebuchadnezzar's. We're, Kathy and I are walking around the house that, uh, that God blessed us and that we were able to get. And I walked around the house, I looked at Kat and I said, can you believe we live here? She said, nope, I can't. I'm just waiting for somebody to come and say, look, we made a mistake. You can't be here. The neighbors already came over. I was a little nervous when they all come over for whether or not. Look, we heard you're the preacher down the road and you got to get out of this neighborhood. But... They're okay with me living there, so it looks like I get to stay. <clears throat> we got a good life. And really, you know what? We don't experience a lot of things other people experience around the world, do we? When, when my first trip to Russia, you know, you had to shop every day for your food. And, and you never knew when you got to the grocery store if they had bread or not. You ever experienced that? You ever thought, you know, i got to go get something for dinner, and ever had the thought that when I get to the grocery store, there's not going to be any meat? We're not going to have anything there? Or, no, we just go, look, I just go, and it's all, that's what's there for. Be ashamed to have a grocery store don't have no groceries in it, right? Do we have all of that? And we say, look at the country that we have built. Well, that's the same word Nebuchadnezzar said. And a tree is big. And everybody wants to come to us. And everybody wants help. But we push God out. And we say, this is, this, this is the nation that we have built. We did it. It's us. We don't need no God. We don't need none of those things that we had when we established all of this. Daniel tells the king, repent. Look, just repent. You don't got to go down that road, man. Just repent. You're the tree. You are strong. You are great. You have dominion. Listen, it reminds me of somebody else in the Bible. It reminds me of another story. You know, these stories are everywhere. You don't, you don't really have to work as hard at finding them as you might think. But listen to this. In 2 Chronicles 26... Uh, verse 1 through 5 says, Now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old. We got any 16 year olds? Come on, don't be shy. Not one? Uh, I, I know somebody's got to raise their hand. I see you all after at the donut, so I know you're in here somewhere. So they took a 16 year old and made him king. Isn't that cool? That's not bad, right? Wouldn't you like to be the one making all the calls? Making all the decisions? Well, that's what it was. They took Uzziah. Look what happened. He was 16 years old. He built Eloth and restored it to Judah after the king arrested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. 
His mother's name was Jechaliah of Jerusalem, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. Remember I told you, people say those crazy things like, you don't really need to have a godly man to rule a nation. Well, why does God say over and over again of his kings, he was a king, good king. He did everything that was right in the eyes of the Lord. Interesting that he does that? Anyway. His mother's name, Jechaliah, he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, what's it say? God made him prosper. Oh, man, that's great. So when Uzziah was little in his eyes, he sought God, and God rewarded him. He blessed him. In fact, it says in verse 15, he made devices in Jerusalem. He invented by skillful men to put on the towers and on the corners that shot arrows and threw large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, and he was marvelously helped. And then there's these three words, or four, till he became strong. Till he became strong. God was with him. God did all this for him. But, but when he became strong, what happened? It says in verse 16, But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction. For he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. He decided, he was a great king, man. People love this dude. This is like, um, uh, put it in vernacular for us, he was the Ronald Reagan of the day. Man, everybody thought of all the great things he did. Now, if you're not a Ronald Reagan fan, I'm just trying to make a point. But the point is, Everybody liked this guy. Uzziah, King Uzziah, King Uzziah. But King Uzziah got so filled up with himself that he decided he was going to go offer offerings and pray for the nation. And he was going to go do the priest's job. But that wasn't his job, right? His job was king. So he's in there arguing with the priest. And as he's arguing with the priest saying, I'm going to go in. And the priest saying, man, you can't come in here. King Uzziah, what are you doing? Right then, leprosy broke out on him. And he died a leper. The leprosy never left. His pride. His pride got in the way of all the good stuff that he was doing. When he got strong, man, he started thinking a lot about himself. So God gave him leprosy. And he had leprosy till the day he died. But you know what else? None of the people could see God. None of the people were seeking God. Why? Because they were saying, look at Uzziah. Man, Uzziah is so cool. What a great king. This guy is awesome. Look at all the stuff he's done for us. Look at all the incredible things he's built. So they, all they could see was Uzziah. Do you ever wonder why Isaiah 6.1 begins the way it does? In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. You know, God never moves. He never leaves. He never stops. Kings come, kings go. Presidents come, presidents go. All those things are pretty much constantly in flux and changing. But God never changes. God never leaves. God's always there. He's always listening. He's always hearing. Finally, God could be seen when Uzziah left. Proverbs 6, 16 says, These six things the Lord hates, yea, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look tops the list. A proud look. What's a proud look? Somebody who takes credit for something somebody else has done. How would you like it if you wrote a song... And it was incredible. And so I stole it and said, I wrote it. And I sing it up here and everybody just told me how great I was because I wrote that incredible song. You'd say, man, that's not right. What do you have God hasn't given you? 
before you answer that question, you know what the Word of God says? I'll make it easy. Nothing. You don't got nothing God hasn't given you. Everything you have is a gift from Him. Repent. Remember when you were little in your eyes. So verse 28 says, All this came upon King Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he was walking around his palace, and the king spoke, saying, Is this... Is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power, for the, my honor and my majesty? And while the word was still in his mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken. The kingdom has departed from you. And they will drive you out from men, and your dwelling will be with the beasts of the field. And they will make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times will pass over you. Until you know the Most High rules in the kingdom of men. And he gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men. He ate grass like ox, like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven. His hair had grown out like eagle's feathers. And his nails like bird's claws. It's the heart of pride. Oh, but what I want you to recognize is what's happening right now in Nebuchadnezzar's life is God's mercy. Do you recognize that? That's God's mercy. Oh, it doesn't sound very merciful. Really? God could have just left him alone, let him perish in eternity, go to hell forever. Couldn't he? You know what, Nebuchadnezzar, whatever. I don't even care about you no more. Whatever. See ya. But that's not what God did, is it? No, God brought something into Nebuchadnezzar's life. God brought something into Nebuchadnezzar's life that would cause Nebuchadnezzar to look up to heaven. Something that God knew would lead him to find the truth. To let that beach ball up once and for all. To say, you know what, i got to live by the truth and, and get over this lie. And so God brought that into it. That's mercy, folks. That's mercy. When you're going through hard things in your life and you're struggling and difficulties come up, do you think of it that way? Because if you don't think of it as mercy, then you got pride too. It's all mercy. All of it. What we have and what we have not. What He gives and what He takes away. It's all the mercy of God. It's all the love of God. It's all God's hand as the potter molding and shaping the clay. Isn't it? But if we don't see that, folks, we have pride. If we don't see it, we're Nebuchadnezzar. We're saying, look, look, if we've got a lot of things, if, if, it's, if it's ours, we think, I did it. I worked harder than anybody else. I deserve this. If we don't have it, We say, I'm suffering more than others. It's not fair. I don't deserve this. I'm owed better. It's all the same. The haves and the have-nots. It's all pride. In us all. And God hates it. He hates it. He compares pride with humility. Humility, here's the difference. Pride thinks everything is owed. Humility sees everything as a gift. That's a gift from God. That's a gift from God. That's a gift from God. 
We are able to see it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, 6 and 7, it says, Now these things, brethren, I have figuratively transferred to myself and Apollos for your sake, that you may learn in us not to think beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up on behalf of one against the other. For who makes you differ from one another? And what do you have that you did not receive? And if you did not receive it, why do you boast as if you did? If God gave it all to you, what are you bragging for? What are you boasting for? Just be thankful. There's nothing wrong with being thankful. And there's nothing wrong with having it. And there's nothing wrong with not having it. And still being thankful. But we struggle in that. We struggle in it because we're struggling with our own pride. We have to look at life and say that everything that we have in life is a gift. Now here's one that's a little tougher. We have to look at pain and suffering and recognize pain and suffering as a gift. Oh, you lost me there. What was that? Well, listen. 2 Corinthians 12, 8-10. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times it might depart from me. But He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. All the disappointing things in life are still a gift from God. I can guarantee it's true. I have three sons. Two are married and one has a family. I'm hoping the other one's going to get with it sooner or later. I mean, crying out loud, no one's waiting on. So hopefully, hopefully two of them will, will have family <coughs> soon enough. My third son was, uh, was a surprise for us. You know, the third son, when I had my third son, it's the only time I was ever walking with the Lord. It's the only time I was ever in my life when I was having kids doing what, what I believe God wanted me to do. It's the only time I, I felt like my whole heart was to him. In fact, he's the only one I named out of the Bible. The other one, one got named out of a movie, and the other one had to take my name. That's just how it works. So <clears throat> the third one, I say, man, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna name him. It's S. Joseph. That's Joseph. Nobody want to babysit Joseph. Because Joseph just scream and carry on, and he'd do these crazy things, and then... Then, then people would say, Jackie, you, you know, you, you might want to think about spanking him. And I said, man, I wear out a spoon on that boy's backside and nothing changes. It just gets worse. I don't know. And he just kept screaming. He wouldn't talk. He won't talk. When he's three years old, he's diagnosed autistic. That's a gift from God. And if you can't start seeing the... the the things you might look at as disappointments in your life, that way, you better repent of your pride before you turn into an animal. You got to repent of your pride. I remember taking that boy, all curly, wild hair, wild, he's like a, a little wild boy, and I remember figuratively, I had to take him to the river, and I had to put him in a, in a basket, and I have to cover him up, and I have to set him in that basket, and I got to let him go. Because I can't do anything for him. He's not going to reach the point where he just does it himself. 
one day me and Kathy are going to die. And if my kids don't take him, he just goes to a home. And what's going to happen to him in a home? And how are they going to treat him in a home? And what's the rest of his life going to look like? And is he ever really going to know what it is to, to be loved or the people care about him? Is he ever going to understand all those things? And look, everybody tells me how much they understand. Look, I've been doing this gig for 19 years. 19 years. But I want you to know this. The things I know about God today, I wouldn't know without Him. He's a gift from God. And God said, I gave them to you, and you got to give them back to me. And that's what we do with those things. What do we do with the pains in our life? The, the things that happen in our life, we say, I don't understand. Lord, I don't understand why I don't have kids. Or Lord, I don't understand why I'm sick. Or Lord, I don't understand why I have cancer. You take that stuff, you take the pain and you take the hurt, and you tell God, I, somehow there's a gift in this for me. There's something in this for me to develop me, and I'm going to take that from the gift and I'm going to give it back to you. It's yours. That's when Nebuchadnezzar learns. And if our nation don't learn to do that, we're already becoming animals. You don't think we're becoming animals? Spend a little time on the news, man. I'm not worried about terrorists and crazy people blowing people up. That's the least of my worries. I'm worried about the ideas that people are spouting on the news and that people are just clamoring around. I'm like, whoa, how in the world does that idea fly? That flies in the face of what God's Word says. God's Word says, all life is precious. But you're telling me it's not? And it's okay, just look the other way. You've been looking the other way for 60 million, why not look the other way for a few more? What's the big deal? Well, if God don't judge us, well, that's moot. How's it feel to be knee-deep in judgment right now? But God, He's bringing this time and what we're going through right now as a gift. How's it a gift? He's calling us to Him. He's calling us to Him. The ones that ain't real, they're not going to come anyway. But the ones who are, the ones who really want Him, the ones who really want to lay hold of His Word and hold fast to what it is, they're going to repent, they're going to cling to Him, they're going to call on Him, and God's going to bring revival. And maybe it don't change everybody's life in the whole nation, but it changes some. It'll make a difference to the ones it makes a difference to. God had his hand on Nebuchadnezzar the whole time. Seven years, walked around like a crazy man, eating grass, hair growing all crazy, had a wild beard, big old gnarly fingernails. And then one day it just ends. When did it end? He had a moment of clarity and he looked up into heaven and he said, You know what, God, you're right. You are in charge. And you know what you're doing. And I can trust you. And immediately, everything comes back to him. Look at the salvation of the dreamer. At the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned, and I blessed the Most High. And I praised and honored him who lives forever, for his dominion is everlasting, his kingdom from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants on the earth. And no one can restrain his hand or say to him, why have you done this? At the same time, my reason returned to me and for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, my splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted to me. 
I was restored to my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added to me. He even got more. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of Heaven, all of whose works are true, and His ways justice. And those who walk in pride, He is able to put down. God is able. So Nebuchadnezzar, he repents, he believes, he responds with praise, he recognizes the sovereignty of God, he receives restoration from God, and then he realizes the greatness of God. God is good. God is able. But you've got to have eyes to see. If all we can think of is how this affects me, that's meitis, that's pride, that's a problem. That's a problem. All you got to do is spend a little time in the Word. The Word says, don't just think about yourself. Think about others. Wow, I can't really get over this thing that somebody did to me. I'm, I'm just focused on this thing. No, you're not. You're focused on yourself. Get your eyes off yourself and help somebody else out. And you'll see your eyes come off. What do you mean? I mean, there's always somebody hungrier than you. There's always somebody hurting more than you. There's always somebody going through something more than you. So what do I do? I take my eyes off of me and I put my eyes on somebody else. I realize I have something I can give. I have something I can give and I can start to look at the things in my life as gifts from God instead of judgment or hatred. Or I used to run around all the time thinking God hates me. And all the while God was just whispering in my ear, I love you. That's why I made this hard. I love you. That's why I tell you the truth. I love you. That's why I'm here, because I care enough to reach out my hands all day long to a disobedient and contrary people. All day long. And whosoever will call, he'll come. Amen? Amen. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just uh, we come before you right now, Lord Jesus. God, I pray, Lord, do me a favor. All the stuff today that's me, just wash away. But God, I pray that your word would come through. Your call for us to repentance, to turn away from pride, to recognize that running around and celebrating our sin is not the way uh, to, to civilize society. It's not the way to blessing. It's not the way to turn our nation around. It's not the way to say every time someone tells me what I'm doing or, or, or how I'm feeling is sinful that it's a hate crime. It's not a hate crime. It's a love crime. I care. God, I pray, Lord, that you would just pour out your spirit in new ways in your church. Lord God, that your spirit would be ignited. If you disagree with, with me, that's fine. Go to God's word. Go to God's Word. Let God's Word be the guide. Be the guide that guides you from this point forward so that our nation can become blessed of God again. Because the way our nation becomes great is by putting her face back toward the Lord. Changing our direction. Opening our hearts and hands to the one whose hands and heart are open to us. God, I pray that you would 
open our eyes to see our pain and our suffering and the blessing that you give us all as gifts from you. And God, help us not to focus so much or too much just on ourselves, but to realize, Lord God, that you are the center of the universe, not me. And I want you to have that rightful place in my life. God, I pray that we corporately would <coughs> repent from the directions that we take and say, Lord, I'm going to follow your word. I'm just going to do what your word says, what your word teaches me. Be who you're asking me to be. God, I pray that you would bless our nation as our nation turns toward you. And then it won't matter who comes or who goes. Because God, you are in control. So we ask, Lord Jesus, move. Pour out that spirit of revival in our hearts that we might spread that spirit of revival to others and ultimately that we might bring glory and honor to your name as we are able to celebrate who you are and what you have done. So God, we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. If this morning God has moved in your heart and you'd like to have prayer, there'll be folks around uh, to pray with you, that want to pray with you. If you want to come with us and join with us on um, Wednesday as we pray for our nation, I invite you to do so. Look for those opportunities that you can pour out the love of God on others. Amen. There's nothing in this world